Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. Go to strengthguild.com, S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H-G-U-I-L-D.com. Scroll down to the Iron Radio Collections, and we've got new shirts and new banners for you to support the show. Everything from just a regular banner, regular shirt, to ones with sayings on them, like Lonnie's Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree shirt. And some news for you, we're going to have some contests for people who own these shirts and things. So if you support the show, we'll let you more on that later. So if you get in on these early, you can be one of the first people to win some prizes. So, thank you very much. Go check out the site, strengthguild.com. Scroll down to Iron Radio Collections and support the show. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I run Strength Guild. I'm a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, strength coach, and still eating lots of food, man. Lots of tacos, I hear. Yep, lots of tacos. Nice. Uh, this is Dr. Mike T. Nelson, uh, creator of the Flex Diet Cert, faculty member at the Kerrigan Institute, and a uh, whole bunch of other stuff. And I'm actually at home again, which was amazing. Yeah. Last weekend, but I'm home now. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. You are gone more than you're home. Uh, this year, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I always think about sometimes you'll see these job ads and they'll say stuff like uh, travel, you know, 40% of the time. And Mike's would be like travel 80% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, well, we have some news, um, both uh, athletics type news and some food news. Phil, you wanted to start with the, the yeah, performance? Yeah. Um, strength and muscle sport news. There's one. I mean, it's it's looking like we will probably finally see the all-time best clean and jerk fall in a competition set by Leonid Terryanko back in 81. Uh, Lasha just beat it in training and pretty easy. So he clean and jerked 588.6 pounds, 267 oh, kilos. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, yeah, so made, it look, made it look easy. But, I mean, still, we were talking about this. And, like, if I was Terryanko, it'd be like, ah. I held it for 31 years. I'm good. Go ahead and beat it, kid. It took 30. You know, you're pretty good if like it takes 31 years for somebody to top you by two pounds. So, especially in a lift that people do all the time in a competition lift. It's not some wackadoo lift that only a handful of people have ever attempted. Yeah. So (laughs) wackadoo. (laughs) Well, yeah, you, you go to some of those. I go old time strongman things and they yeah, I do good stuff. Lifting. We do lots of yeah. lifting. Oh, all kinds of like <laughs> I didn't want to say it. <laughs> three people have ever attempted oh, to lift, true. you know. So yep. yeah, no, it's uh, pretty interesting to see that go down. So we'll see if he can do it in competition. So he's gearing up for the next Olympics. So is that probably when next time he would do it? I would assume. I would guess he just crushed the uh, the uh, worlds was like a month ago. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Broke the current. Uh, under the new stands, it broke the world record in snatch, clean, and jerk, and total. So, yeah, he's setting himself up for a pretty good Olympics. Nice. Actually, mentioning wackadoo lifts, everybody, I was remiss. <laughs> uh, the topic after we go to the mid-show break, uh, we're going to talk about 
how broadly functional that we think powerlifters and bodybuilders are. So there's going to be some odd lifts and stuff involved with that. So stick around for that. Um, I have some food news, and it ended up being thematic this week. Uh, sometimes I don't plan it this way, but it makes us look professional, so we'll say it was on purpose. Uh, Definitely on purpose. The one – this is from Consumer Reports. Now, this isn't like the typical scientific peer-reviewed journal, but they do good work. And there is a, something – my parents actually brought this over, and they're like, is this true? And I'm like, well, let me look at it. Um, I know a lot of our listeners, if you're anything like me, like I eat quite a bit of turkey – cold cuts like lunch meat and stuff like that when I'm at work. Uh, I don't always boil up a dozen chicken breasts like a good boy on Sunday night, you know, and eat them throughout the week. Uh, It's great when I can do that, but sometimes I admit I go for something that's a little more processed. Um, I like to choose the nitrite-free stuff, and that's what this is about. So this is, again, Consumer Reports by uh, Trisha Calvo, The Danger at the Deli. So it says, when you're looking for a healthy deli sandwich, you probably choose lean turkey over fatty salami. Uh, And if you're like close to half of the deli meat eaters in a recent nationally representative Consumer Reports survey, uh, you probably go for the meat labeled no nitrites or no nitrites added. Now, I've been doing this because I was reading stuff over the years about not just things like gastric cancer and whatnot, but things like um, mental fogginess, something none of us need. Um, but it says, uh, nitrites aren't the only problem with deli meats. Some contain coloring agents that may pose health risks as well. So I'm looking at this through the lens of this is what extra processing does, right? Instead of that boiled chicken breast, um, when you want to preserve a food, you know, or add color to it and make it look delicious, it's not nice to fool mother nature and weird shit happens. Um, So this is what I found was disturbing from the Consumer Reports test. It says um, there were 10, quote-unquote, cured meats in our test and 21, quote-unquote, uncured uh, meats. It says, on average, the nitrate and nitrite levels were essentially the same. Now, damn it. Mm. Uh, I I buy meats to be nitrite-free. And it's the way this is operationally defined with the government and how how they sort of get away with it. But the bottom line is when you actually test for these things, they have essentially the same amounts. Great. Um, It says, in addition, there's something – I'm not familiar. Mike, you might be. 4-M-E-I. It's it's a byproduct of some of the caramel colors, I guess. Mm, Not familiar with it. So caramel colors apparently – also a problem, and I think about not just lunch meat, but, you know, what about my diet Pepsi that I drink, you know, occasionally yeah. and stuff like that. So it says, we tested 12 packaged deli meats with caramel color in the ingredients list for 4-MEI, a byproduct of some caramel colors used in, oh, here it is, deli meats, cola, and other foods. Animal studies suggest 4-MEI increases cancer risk. Uh, and then it says, in California, any... Any food that exposes consumers to more than 29 micrograms a day must carry a cancel warning label. That I, I put less stock in, though. I mean, they've got a cancer warning on coffee, and that personally offends me. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you they pull— They do if you're at the LAX airport. <laughs> 
It's Literally. ridiculous. <laughs> it, it, that's it's that's absurd to me. I mean, if yeah. you if you take one compound out of a giant mix of something that you know collectively is anti-cancer, right? Collectively, the beverage, the food is anti-cancer. You know, then that that's invalid to me, right? You're, that's not how you're consuming it. You're consuming it as part of the food, which we know reduces cancer. So anyway, yeah, it looks like my nitrite-free uh, turkey is bullshit and you know my diet coke i can't have that either so <laughs> now that depends on how much you want to you know take this to heart or not but i just found it disturbing that my i thought i was doing myself some kind of a favor you know with the nitrite free stuff okay so i guess listeners might just want to consider at least consider that if it looks like it's you know in that natural brown packaging and it says it's nitrite free and that sort of stuff or no no added nitrites when you actually go check and again, for various definitional reasons, it might not be what you think it is. Uh, the, the other processed food things on my news list here are more fun in a way. Here's one. This is um, from Food Business News. Occasionally I'll get stuff from them. Del Monte debuts pizza bites featuring crust made with cauliflower. So mm-hmm. uh, cauliflower baked into your pizza crust. My wife will actually make things like... Uh, mashed potatoes it's got some mashed cauliflower cut into it and stuff like that so you people out there that are more keto you know you're trying to get rid of the carbs and that kind of thing this isn't going to get rid of it and who knows maybe you're just after the anti-carcinogenic effects of cauliflower because it's got those indoles and you know uh, sulfur containing cancer fighting compounds but it's a, this is from rebecca Schouten, s-c-h-o-u-t-e-n uh, from walnut creek california del monte foods Contadina brand is branching beyond the canned tomato aisle for the first time with their launch of uh, Contadina Pizzettas, a new line of better-for-you frozen pizza bites. Uh, They provide a full serving of vegetables in every five pieces. Uh, It says the garden vegetable Pizzettas feature crust made with cauliflower filled with Roma tomato sauce, mozzarella cheese, bell peppers, mushrooms, and onions. Each five-bite serving has eight grams of protein as well uh, and 240 calories. Not enough to make Phil's menu right now, but... Mm. <laughs> um, so I thought that was interesting that they're actually starting to take almost what I would consider health-conscious, fitness-conscious, low-carb kinds of stuff, and they're, they're mixing it into the processed stuff. I think, Phil, you were just saying last week, right, that a lot of mm-hmm. snack foods and stuff, they're not just TV dinner garbage uh, like they used to be. So Yeah. Interesting, Contendina. Hmm. The next one caught my eye. These ones are probably more on target, I think, for our audience in some ways, uh, at least if you're really watching the calories and whatnot. This is also food business news from, um, let's see, it says Protein Donut Baker makes stateside debut. So there's a company that was not a U.S. company, and they make protein donuts. Not kidding. Um, Jim Buddy's Protein Donuts. This is from Eric Schroeder. Now, some people may be like, well, duh, Lonnie, you know, especially if you live in the UK or somewhere where these have been served. But uh, this is on my news list, so and it's news to me. From Park City, Utah, Jim Buddy's Protein Donuts, a baker of high-protein, low-cal donuts, is entering the United States. The company said it is relocating its headquarters to Park City, Utah from London. That seems like an odd 
trip, doesn't it? Yeah. Why Park <clears throat> City from London? Like, London seems like this global hub, and Park City not as much, but I, I could be wrong. I don't, you're the traveler, Mike. You know anything about Park City, Utah? Yeah, it's beautiful. It's really nice. It's pretty up upscale. It's a wonderful okay. place, but not yeah. sure why they picked it, but yeah. eh, who knows? Yeah. Uh, moving to the U.S. has given us the opportunity to reformulate our donuts, uh, modernize the packaging, etc. Jim Buddy's Protein Donuts have 11 grams of protein. That's not too shabby. I'm, I'm really curious as to what it is. I don't see it on here. Yeah. Like, please, God, tell me it's not soy. Um, <laughs> but 11 grams of protein, uh, less than 160 calories. The donuts are available in two uh, flavors, chocolate and cake batter. Uh, the donuts are distributed. Here's some of the distributors, if if anybody's familiar. And uh, like the three of us know, your distribution network is what makes or breaks products, right? Oh, so, yeah. um, Muscle Foods, DNA Sports Nutrition, uh, NYB, and Sport Life. Uh, and in Canada, it's distributed by Nutrition Excellence. And it looks like there's some other ones on this list too: Tropicana Wholesale, Muscle Finesse, etc. So. They have a lot of distributors, so we might actually actually see these on the shelves. Um, as part of the expansion into the U.S., Jim Buddies hired Mike Fulton as their chief sales guy. Mike Fulton has more than 25 years of experience in the health and wellness space. So maybe, just maybe, Mike, <laughs> you know how to make a donut that tastes halfway as acceptable. I mean, when I go eat this sort of thing, if something's going to be low-cal and have you know, 11 grams of protein – I'm willing to admit or accept that it's not it's not going to taste like a regular donut. But if it tastes okay, I'm still on board, you know, so maybe they have the experience to reformulate these things. I'm looking at the package here. It looks good. Um I just hope these things aren't the size of a quarter, you know, and and stuff like that. Yeah, I wonder that. how big they are. Uh they show a picture of it, but I can't tell the size of the bag. So if mm. they're sold indiv- as individual donuts in an, in a single bag then they probably are pretty much donut sized it looks like to me but i'm kind of guessing so hmm. i'm always up for that i mean if if that's whey protein sometimes you will see it right even quaker has like protein oats like instant oats and you look at the label and it's whey protein isolate or whey protein concentrate and you're like okay <laughs> that's that's okay to me you know i rather see those things than soy if anybody's like why is lowry down on soy well soy gets a lot of bad press but for me it's just you have to have a larger dose of it right to be muscle protein synthetic um you're missing out on some of those peptides that you get in some milk proteins that can lower your blood pressure and stuff like that and if we have large mammals who listen you might actually be slightly hypertensive you know so there's some there's some cool things in dairy proteins that i'm usually just looking for the whey or a whey casein mix mostly whey these days yeah, when I was in Sweden and Denmark a couple of weeks ago, they had a lot of uh, Finland had this too, uh, high protein uh, puddings and even like higher protein types of yogurt. I mean, obviously we've had Greek, yog- Greek yogurt here for quite a while, and they have the little uh, foldable spoon that's on top of the container. So you could find them like in Finland, you could find them at gas stations and stuff too. And one little container had around you know usually like twenty grams of protein. I remember right, I think it was a whey concentrate. I don't remember exactly, but it was a dairy-based protein, and it was pretty tasty, and you could find them pretty much almost in any store, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, 
I know a lot of people probably even overdo the protein amongst our listeners. And when I say overdo, I just mean like wasteful amounts maybe. But it, it really depends on what you define as wasteful, right? I mean if you exceed, let's say, 40 grams of a really high-quality protein in a meal, yeah, you're probably not going to continue to boost muscle protein synthesis. But to me, protein grams of protein is almost – a free food. And when I say yeah. when I say that, I mean it's satiating, it raises your metabolism, and when you're full of protein, which is highly unlikely to add to your body fatness compared to extra calories from carbs or fats, yeah, then I mean I've had a lot of success just with clients in the past, or myself when I was dieting, um, just counting grams of protein. Like if you get your body weight your in pounds uh, worth of protein. Mm-hmm. So like I would eat two hundred grams of quality protein every day. And not from Big Macs and other stuff, but you know, from relatively reasonable sources, you can almost not pay as much attention to the other things you eat, right? Because you're eating so much protein that's from leaner foods. You know, you win. So yeah, I, mean, I did something similar when I even when I designed the flex diet cert. I took eight different interventions and came up with a little ranking system, and protein came out to be number one. And that also matches, especially if you have clients who are trying to lose weight. You know, or maybe not super into fitness. This is kind of new for them. You know, telling them, "Hey, I want you to eat more of this particular thing." They're like, "Wait a minute, you want me to eat more of something? I thought I was just supposed to eat less of everything." Exactly. No, I want you to eat more of this. Like, oh wow, this is great. <laughs> yes, and you know what? There's some tasty protein foods out there, and, and not just yeah. donuts. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it, like if you eat, if you were to scrape up and eat a can of tuna a half an hour before lunch, you have just eaten more. But overall, you're probably going to eat a little bit less, right? Because you're like, oh, I don't want, I don't want the double cheeseburger for lunch as much. I just ate the tuna, you know, and that's almost just completely just protein. So, unless you're Phil right now, then you skip mm. the tuna and just double the lunch. Yeah, four side. Yep. Yeah. In <clears> fact, <throat> Phil, how do you, when you say I know you like to layer the junk on top of the good stuff, but would could you run the risk of eating the tuna first and then go to the quarter pounder, or would you go for the quarter pounder first, then eat something quote unquote clean? <laughs> or does it, it does it? Honestly, it doesn't really matter to me right now because either way, I'm just hating it. So I okay. mean, I just got to get it all in. Okay, so <laughs> it doesn't matter what goes first. I mean, I suppose it's easier to get the. Uh, uh, it's easier to get the good food in when I'm not full. Right. I guess it is the yes. tasty stuff. <laughs> you know, right. Like, yes. It's easier to get the calories in after. So that's what I was, that's what I was thinking. Oh. Really? Yeah. Um, are you at the point now where you start doing the, anything to make foods like hyper palatable, like the inverse of what people are trying to lose weight by, you know, playing around with different spices and variety oh, and yeah. throwing shit yeah. in a blender and <laughs> drinking it yeah. and, and just well, we bought a new air fryer, so I've been like air frying all kinds of stuff and just <laughs> anything to make it new. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it just gets old. But yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty much it for the new stuff. I I will say this. I was just talking to Kelly this morning about this. So much stuff. I think we just accidentally become aware of. I think that's why we started really anchoring in the news segment years ago. I don't even know when we started doing this as much as we do, but it, it sort of occurred to me that not everybody is owns a gym, you know, or travels all over or has all this stuff. I always say, oh, it came across my desk, and it really does. And for most people, it, it I would assume it just doesn't. I mean, I, I know we have listeners that are physicians and pharmacists and all kinds of professionals, and, and they might. 
But this way, you know, if it's in front of me, we might as well just talk about it. Plus, we could kind of all pitch in about our interpretation of it, at least. Right? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I, I feel like that's a service. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, let's go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how broadly functional powerlifters and bodybuilders are. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, you know who this is. Uh, so I'm here to tell you about uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson's uh, new book, uh, Why You Should Eat Keto. I don't do it because, I mean, look at me. Come on, I'm fabulous and I'm fantastic. Anyway, you should text uh, Keto ebook all in one word to 44222 to receive your free copy. Do it, do it now! Stop feeling Some of us don't understand How lucky we are To be living in Hi listeners, this is Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm here to remind you that as the holiday season approaches and your thoughts turn to giving, we like you to keep Iron Rating in your thoughts. Over the past several years, there have been hundreds of listener comments hoping that Iron Radio stays on the air for years to come. Iron Radio is here for you. But as with any public radio-type format, the show is listener-supported. That's where you come in. For just $4 a month, you become a supporting member, keeping your weekly dose of education, experts, and gym talk flowing. Just go to www.ironradio.org and click on the $4 monthly subscribe button near the bottom of the page. Or... Click the donate button at the right of the page for a one-time donation. You are the Iron Brotherhood and Sisterhood. Of course, not everyone can afford to be a supporting member or a significant one-time donor. But for those of you willing to pitch in $4 per month or $50 just once, we're about to sweeten the deal. Become a supporting member or major donor between now and January, and a limited number of you will receive a gift worth over $20. And we will never forget our existing supporters. Simply email me via ironradio.org and I'll send you a free seminar from Dr. Lowry on how to significantly and realistically boost your testosterone levels. Help your iron brothers and sisters who cannot pitch in but deserve better internet programming in our sports. And happy holidays. Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what, uh, there is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote-unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, there's an enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety 
the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that. And uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit royalty on the book, but that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, everyone, we're back. It's Phil and Mike and Lonnie, and we are going to discuss the functionality, uh, physically, of bodybuilders and powerlifters. Uh, this is partly coming from what we are watching out in Tahoe and, you know, how these guys, that their broad functionality is what they're all about. Uh, so we're going to talk about relative specialists here, and I'm going to just go down a list of different things, and we're going to rank them on a 10 scale um, with one being like a sedentary gal or guy and a 10 on this scale being something like a collegiate athlete, you know, somebody who's very capable, maybe not quite pro. Uh, and then even here and there, whether we even care or, you know, whether we think a bodybuilder would even care about being able to do this or not do this. But so the quantitative, the ranking is going to be, um, maybe a bit, a bit of a challenge. Again, we, we record seat of our pants, everybody. So, um, this, these are gut impressions on each of these things. Um, Phil, let's let's start with you. Um, Powerlifter and then bodybuilder. As far as distance running <laughs> on, a ten, oh, on a on a ten scale. <clears throat> God, they're not. They're, neither of them are going to do very well. <laughs> no, I wouldn't think. Uh, Man, that's a hard one to say who's going to be better. Am I trying to say who's better? Uh, you could. I mean, or just give yeah. me a number for one or the other, you know. Um, like on a 10 you know, scale, is a powerlifter a, a one? Is he as bad as sedentary? Uh, I mean, it or? Depends, on the, depends on the weight class of a powerlifter, but let's just say, uh, I don't know, a three. <laughs> yeah. As far as distance running, yeah. maybe the same for a bodybuilder. I don't know, right around there. A bodybuilder might do a little less just because I start thinking bodybuilder. I start thinking like, like step on stage ready at Olympia bodybuilder, like super leaned out and like you're in no position to run around. You're just going to cramp up. You're all dehydrated. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a good point. At, at what point in a season are we even talking? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, 
for me, yeah, I'm probably going to put them around a three, too. Not as bad as sedentary guys. I mean, bodybuilders do some quote-unquote cardio, but it's usually like non-panting kind of stuff, you know, because they don't want to expend a lot of resources doing sprinting and becoming cross-trainers, you know. So probably, yeah, probably threes. And it's also because they're large mammals, right? I mean, yeah. uh, I'm not talking about a really small, uh, you know, middleweight natural bodybuilder, but big beefy dudes that are light heavyweight or heavyweight, you know, in shape. So you're talking about competing at 198 or more, which means you're going to weigh 230 to, let's say, 300 in the off season. Yeah. Uh, those are big dudes, and they're going to suck at distance running. Yeah, it's just uh, not going to be good. Yeah. Uh, Distance running is very much a sagittal plane thing. <laughs> yeah. So that since they do mostly sagittal plane stuff, that's probably a benefit. But yeah, I would say three or four definitely mm-hmm. on the on the low end for sure. Yeah. I mean, you you might even consider fiber type and that sort of thing. You know, I mean, if they're predisposed, if you're talking about guys who are more fast twitch fibers, they're those are fatigable and yeah, they're gonna they're gonna suck pretty bad. Um, uh, the next one on the list is sprinting, and I actually have a story about this one. Uh, but Phil, let's just try to keep this in order. Um, how good would a powerlifter or a bodybuilder be? You know, like a a forty or a hundred meter all out sprint. I'm going to say the body or the the powerlifter definitely tops out the power or uh, the powerlifter t- tops out the bodybuilder here. I would say I know a lot of powerlifters that are pretty damn good at short distance running. Um, mm. Now, if I'm comparing this to like a professional sprinter. And let's say a professional sprinter is a 10, um, 6 or 7. Okay. Yeah, explosive. And we do a lot of that. You know, they're pretty damn explosive. That's what we train all the time. You know? Mm-hmm. Like the only reason the squats are slow is because they're really heavy. So uh, <laughs> okay. I'd say pretty good. I mean, I've seen some pretty fast ones. So, And then bodybuilder, I don't know, maybe a, uh, a 5. Yeah, yeah. Um the story that I was going to tell about the sprinting is th- it was all over the, the sort of muscle gossip back in the muscle media uh, or muscle mag international days. But there were two bodybuilders who were sort of posturing in Venice. And I think it was Gary Stridham and Samir Benu. I- I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. exactly, but they're like, well then, you know, come at me, bro. So they decided to go out on a, on a pitch and, and sprint. And oh, I think no. both of them tore their hamstrings. <laughs> or strained at least right and it's like so these guys are they're too powerful to open up the throttle completely right they're Mm -hmm. just going to pull pull tendons right off the bone now you can also talk about the anabolics weakening their tendon structure and stuff like that and um but i i I think they were very explosive for about 10 feet (laughs) yeah 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 and then like a dragster they blew an engine Right. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so I'm going to put power lifters a, a bit above that, too. I, I think that's fair. Maybe a power lifter, I might say a six and a bodybuilder, maybe a five. If he could not get injured, a bodybuilder might be pretty good, too. But also bodybuilders do, I would argue, some more high rep stuff here and there or medium rep range stuff. Whereas my perception of power lifters, they're going to work more in the explosive threes and fives kind of range. But I, I get it. It depends on the time of the season that you're you're asking but mike how about you with sprints i mean i would agree with that the first thing that came into my head with i'm thinking back to you know just some of the testing and hands-on stuff i've done on power lifters and a handful of physique athletes and oh boy like some of the power lifters i feel are pretty good i mean their posterior chains pretty good hip extensions actually not too bad mm-hmm. um Sadly, bodybuilders with hip extension, you know, the handful ones I've tested is all just absolutely abysmal. 
So if you start taking that leg and you're trying to cycle it super fast into extension and then whip it back in a sprint, yikes. I'd be <laughs> super worried about psoas and hamstring are just going to be popping everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, that matches with what I remember, you know. So Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so not really and great they don't at do that. Any high velocity stuff really either. You know, mm-hmm. and I get why it's a it's an injury risk, so you're probably not yeah. going to do it. So. You know, that's a good point. And like to Phil's point about the the powerlifters uh, being a little higher, um, and I think we all agree they do really try to do explosive stuff. And yeah. arguably, a lot of bodybuilders, the weight is just a tool. It's not the point. Performance isn't the yeah. point. So they might just do rhythmic, medium pace stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, arguably. Um, this next one, uh, you guys are going to have more. Um, experience with this probably but on a 10 scale what about a bodybuilder or a powerlifter throwing um i mean not a baseball a caber i don't care throwing for distance or height how are these guys gonna do because i don't feel you actually do that like with the um the highland game stuff you know you throw stuff yeah it depends on the type of throwing but i mean like highland games it transfers really well um in the when you're on the events you're not moving so, <laughs> like on the events, you end up having to go in a circle. Yeah, you're. If you don't practice that, you're good. But I mean, like caber, sheath, weight over bar, where you're very static and just doing full hip extension. Oh, it transfers really well. Mm-hmm. Like I automatically did really well in those events just because I was strong. Um, now throwing like a baseball and things like that, man, it depends on how locked up they are from so much benching and things like that. So I mean, it ain't gonna be good. Five, (laughs) yeah, and maybe the same for a. I mean, arguably maybe worse for a bodybuilder just because they're trying to put on so much mass that's just blocking themselves from moving like a regular human. So I don't know, four or five. Yeah, Uh, Mike, we'll just go right to you on this. I mean, my perception that bodybuilders are are gonna not gonna be great at this. I mean, if you're stronger, sure, but a lot of stuff to me with like throwing a baseball. A lot of that's just mechanics and skill and range of motion and, you know, the, like the forearm lag and all the stuff that goes into a, a pitch, let's say. And those guys aren't going to be good at that. But, but what do you think? Yeah. No, I agree with that. I agree with you and I agree with Phil. It's, you know, one of the things I check if someone is a physique athlete, I check, you know, how does their right shoulder work with their left hip? You know, and I, I worked on a guy years ago who was a natural competitor, pretty top rated guy. Had all sorts of shoulder problems. Ended up seeing nine different, you know, physicians and PTs over the course of a year and a half. Had imaging, had everything done. And I'm like, was there anything they found wrong with your shoulder? He's like, nope. He's like, I can't even bench press a 20-pound dumbbell now without excruciating pain. And it was primarily, oddly enough, his left hip. Took his left <laughs> hip, put it into internal rotation. He's like, oh, my God, my pain's like half. Uh-huh. Um, so weird stuff like that you see a lot. And I think it may be because you're doing more... Uh, isolation type training, which again, not mm-hmm. bad, um, but you're not training those patterns ever really as much either. Um, so that's a bodybuilder, probably lower on the on the chain there. Yeah, and I, I mean, this one brings me back to what was it like the CrossFit Games six seven years ago, and they did the softball throw. Oh, and those oh. people are like supposed to be well rounded shape. It was like, oh, that was a mistake. We won't do that again. <laughs> I mean, there were people oh. like having trouble throwing at ten yards. Yes, yeah, or keeping like they could not hit the triangle. They had like a like a shot put like the ball has to go within an ear, and they couldn't like put it in the target. <laughs> they were so bad, like people were were zeroing because they literally could not throw a ball into like a fifty foot area. <laughs> so, yeah, right. 
Yeah, there's definitely going to be a skill component, I think. Yeah. Of, so. I remember when I was a senior in high school, I was starting to get more heavily built at that point, you know, than, uh, than most just athletes, I guess. And so I was trying to throw a baseball down the street for distance with this kid that I knew was on the baseball team, you know, mm-hmm. and there's no way because we were both very curious. Like, can Lonnie throw this ball as far as somebody that whose, you know, shoulders and arms are half the size and back and chest and everything else? But no, I, I couldn't. I couldn't equal what he does at all. It's just skill, you know, I think. There's a lot of it. Um, Anyway. Did you guys see the history show with the the strongman on there that did the Highland Games in Scotland? I didn't see that. Yeah, that was one of those. Episode 5, I think. I just watched it the other day. They did that and did some Denny Stones for distance, a farmer's carry. uh, But, yeah, it was very interesting. You're talking about throwing stuff, and I think they did a caver toss and some Mm -hmm. other stuff. So, um, yeah, it it was fun to watch, and you could see that, you know, they figured it out relatively kind of fast, I would say, maybe. They only got two attempts. I don't know how much they did for practice. But, um, yeah, it's because sometimes I think people think that, oh, if you're just huge and strong and you're good at moving objects. But, man, you give them a super long pole that you got to try to balance now in addition yeah. to add power to it. That's that's a whole nother world. Yeah, entirely. it's yeah. I think it's a huge confounding variable in this little thought experiment we're doing that yeah. you almost need more athletic bodybuilder or powerlifter. And we, we all know mm-hmm. people are drawn into powerlifting or bodybuilding. They're not all super gifted athletically, like from, yeah. from like super coordinated and they can play almost oh, any yeah. sport and, you know, and all that. Yeah, kind I mean, of look stuff. at, look at when we interviewed Eddie Cohn. He's like, I went to powerlifting cause I couldn't even dribble a basketball. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. I like seeing college coaches, you know, who are your strongest people in the weight room? The people who start or the people who are on the bench? Yeah, and exactly. Pretty much across the board, you know, at a higher level, they're all like, yeah, the people who don't start. You know, I mean, if you're super weak, that's obviously an, an issue. But, you know, once you get up to a more advanced collegiate level, it's it's not always the absolute strongest person in the weight room destroys everyone on the field either. Right, yeah. It's almost like all else equal, held equal – what do you think? You know, and that's right. not that's just not real world. But Phil, what about jumping? Either high jumping or <laughs> or, or broad jumping? Like I would think broad jumping would be re- pretty. These two kinds of athletes would be pretty good. High jumping, I'm not sure so much. But what's your take on this? High jump or broad jump? I'd say for, just from what I've seen with powerlifters, it's fairly good. I mean, most of them have pretty good verticals. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Most of it's like pretty amazing compared to their size. Um, just because of the power they can put out. Yeah. Uh, broad jumping would probably be close to that. I mean, the problem is now they're really heavy. So right, that's my thinking. Landing the landing portion, but uh, I mean, I remember surprising people when they test me and they're like, "Oh wow, you can jump a lot higher than I thought," and especially because one leg was messed up. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'd say again, the bodybuilders are gonna, the powerlifters are gonna top out the bodybuilders just because of the training. Yeah, uh, explosive. The dynamic training, explosive training that powerlifters do. So I don't know, maybe a, a six and a four or five again. So okay, um, yeah, I, I guess I'm I'm thinking about the uh, the really large mammals as far as vertical stuff, right? Because I I acknowledge they're going to do good about like I've seen guys jump up onto a high box. You're like, whoa, you know? Yeah. Um, if you're going to do that Fosbury flop and try to go over a bar like a high jumper, oh, yeah, you no. know, then then, <laughs> no. then no, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm talking like a Vertec or something sure, like that. Right. No. Yes. Yeah. Again, trying to because skill is such a, a problem with yeah. a lot of these things. I would think that it arguably takes less skill just to jump 
like standing broad jump horizontally, you know, not a triple yeah. jump or anything fancy. Um, but I've known a lot of guys who are really strong, they have really massive legs, and damn, they could really jump far, like at, at least yeah. you know broad jump, standing broad jump kind of thing. So I, I for that one. Yeah, I'm going to say bodybuilders are probably similar to powerlifters. Yeah, compared to a, a collegiate high jumper, yeah, they might be a six again, something like that. It's probably worth stating in defense of bodybuilders is that's an aesthetic sport. It's not a performance sport. So they're probably going to rank a notch or two lower than the, the powerlifters on almost everything, I would yeah. think. Because powerlifters, even though it's not super-duper complex athletic uh, kind of thing, meaning you know tracking the ball around the field and adjusting and agility and all this— but at least there's performance component to powerlifting, and yeah. there's really none <laughs> in bodybuilding. Maybe the yeah. opposing routine, but even that, unfortunately, has gone the way of the dodo. Um, Mike, what, what do you think about jumping, uh, high jumping, broad jumping? Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I would say around, around the same. Um, so when I was running the labs at the University of Minnesota, and I did my graduate stuff there, we would test a lot of all the, the students – uh, we did a vertical jump. We did a, a broad jump. And, you know, it's hard to, to say because we weren't testing, you know, people doing bodybuilding versus powerlifting. But uh, most of the top uh, hockey guys did really well on the broad jump, which I guess I was a little bit surprised about. But then when you think about it, it makes kind of sense, right? You have to create a lot of speed and power. And over time, they've definitely gravitated to being larger mammals than they were 20 years ago, too. So Right. Oh, true. Yeah. Yeah. And then I always think of Shane Hammond, who can... He used to be able to dunk a, yeah. a basketball. And if you just showed a picture of him and you didn't know who he was or what he did, you'd be like, do you think that dude can dunk a basketball? You're like, no way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. But obviously, super explosive doing Olympic lifting. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, Phil made the point about you got to come back down, too. And in a broad jump, you don't have to yeah. come back down. <laughs> not, not, mm -hmm. not to the same extent. Not as much. Yeah. Um, you know, Mike, since – Let's ro reverse the rotation just because I don't want to leave you thinking, yeah, I, I agree again. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. so <laughs> out, out of the gate, um, what about lifting, pulling, or pushing odd objects? Ooh. I mean, I would say, again, it all depends on what type of the strongman you're, or um, powerlifter you're talking about. Do they do any strongman for GPP, that kind of stuff? But I would say, eh, powerlifter – Seven or eight, maybe. I mean, the only thing I'd be worried about would be more depending on how odd the object is and just kind of the skill, which I think they'd probably pick up pretty fast. And then obviously the, the injury risk, depending on if they're doing stones or tires or stuff like that to biceps and that sort of thing. Um, I'd say bodybuilding, probably less. But again, probably depends upon what actually it, it is. But you know, bodybuilding in general, you're not really moving with load ever that much at all. And your loads tend to be lighter. So I'd say, meh, maybe a four or five. Yeah. yeah. Well, bodybuilders, I think, do a lot of single plane isolation, you know, stuff that's yeah. not going to help you that much. Although I've known a lot of people. I've even done a little bit of it myself when I was never that big. But like pushing cars around, um, yeah. even up a hill, I've, more than once in my life I've helped people their car died and I, sh I just pushed it off the road kind of thing. So, I mean, way above a sedentary dude, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For both of yeah. them. So this is the one where I think that we're going to excel. Phil, what do you think? Lifting, pulling, pushing, odd objects? Yeah, no, I agree. I'm right there. And I'm, I mean, in my scale, I'm like saying sedentary person's a one and like professional strongman would be a ten. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely 
I think the power lifter edges them out again just because of the training. Yeah, the strength. Um, yeah. And we generally do some odd stuff, and there's a lot of power lifters now. Like most of mine in the off season, we do a lot of that because strongman makes you stronger in a in a good weird way, um, <clears throat> especially with core strength and hips and things like that. Uh, so I'd say you know an eight, like Mike said, for yeah. for a power lifter, yeah. and then yeah, f- five or six for a bodybuilder. You know if they're strong. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I, again, depending on the size of the bodybuilder, I guess you could say that about the powerlifters too, right? Because, I mean, powerlifting is going to be weight class and stuff too. Yes. Uh, but when we're talking about the, the large mammals, yeah, I'm going to give eight to powerlifters. And I, I think I'm going to give like a seven to, to bodybuilders. I've known some bodybuilders who are really good at this sort of thing. Again, stuff like pushing a car around, you know, stuff that's not going to require a ton of. Uh, look at what's his know. name? Uh, God, Arnold's buddy that just died. Franco. Oh. Uh, Franco, yeah. Franco, yeah. I mean, he, yeah. Was in World's Strongest Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. So, yeah. Well, there's that video of him, you know, lifting the bumper. Again, it's a small little, you know, Italian car. But he grabs a bumper and he just, it's like, it's parallel parked and it's stuck. And he just he bounces it right out of there, you know. And you're like, yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah. Tough dude. Um, next, uh, again, rotating back with Mike first. Reaching, bending, and flexibility. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> uh, can you go negative on this one? Can a sedentary person be ahead? You know what? That's a good point. I think we probably yeah. could compared to a sedentary. If they're worse than sedentary, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, man. I mean, I, I think the bodybuilder may have even a slight edge. I, I get power lifter minus three, bodybuilder minus two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty bad i mean I agree. And that's what people talk to me and they're like man you're not very much i was like well you know yeah. I, there was a point in my life i could do the splits and now i would probably break both my hips yeah. um i've you know and that's what people don't understand like with powerlifting and things if you're going to take a sport serious you adjust your body to that job and i have purposely tightened parts of me up that uh that helped me aid my sport yes right you know? yeah so yeah, I'm def- I'd say you know good powerlifters are definitely not they're under the baseline. So, and, and so are bodybuilders. I don't. But I, I agree with Mike. I'll stick with his numbers. It's it's hard for me to um, to speak to the powerlifters. Uh, what you said just resonates with me though that you're going to purposely get tight. I mean, mm-hmm. because having bunched up soft tissue, it might just be that little help that you need. You know, with something like a very limited range of motion thing like a bench press you know kind of thing but i would I think bo- squatting, right? yeah you oh, oh true tension that just builds up at parallel if you're a power lifter that's probably to your advantage yeah. if yeah. you're trying to compete in a high level sport that's probably not to your advantage <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what we would call um you know the uh the professional athlete in this maybe gymnast or something like that i mean compared to gymnast bodybuilders are gonna suck you know, but compared yeah. to, us, I, I would actually put him in the positive uh, because bodybuilders do work through a range of a full range of motion. Usually, you know, it's not, you know, like Phil, you'll talk about with bench pressing, a power lifter is going to, you know, depress and retract his, his scapulae and he's going to, everything's real tight. And bodybuilders yeah. are much bigger range of motion, flaring their elbows sometimes, you know, and so I, I would think that the bodybuilder might be like a three or a four. You know, if a sedentary person is a one, just because they do work through a full range of motion. As I get older, and I bet you Arnold Schwarzenegger and some, you know, definitely old guys would say this. 
it actually keeps it maintains a certain range of motion, you know, because mm-hmm. you are moving that joint through a a fairly full range of motion. The limitation is everything we've been saying. It's very single plane, sometimes isolation, but at least you're moving the joint through a full range. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give the bodybuilders an edge of like a three. It's hard for me to say about the power lifters. I'm surprised you guys say they're below <laughs> below <laughs> the couch potato. <laughs> That's funny, yeah. though. I just think of the people I've te- – yeah. I'm probably biased because the people I've I've tested here, just range of motion and stuff is – not so good, but you know, obviously they're coming in because they have issues. I'm not testing people who are like, I feel great, and I'm wonderful. Well, of course you're not going to come in. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah, you Probably see the skewed that direction. You see the problematic, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, Mike, this next one is similar. I actually put mobility with agility and climbing kinds of things because to me, mobility sometimes gets confused with flexibility. But what do you think about mobility, agility, and climbing? Like, imagine <laughs> large mammals rope climbing. Woo! Can they do it? I, I'm just curious what you think about this. Oh, man. Uh... Or a ramp, you know? A, a rope and a ramp are very different things. But just in general, right? Mobility, agility, uh, climbing. I would say powerlifters is probably better than people think. I would give them a five or six our powerlifters, and I'd probably give bodybuilders a slight edge in that one i give maybe a six or seven maybe interesting yeah yeah so quite good at those things i think they would be i I know that it's not something they practice a lot but i think they would have the the structure to probably handle Mm -hmm. some of those loads at least sure very large mammals be able to climb a rope and people being amazed by it like i remember walking into crossfits and i'd climb a rope at 270 pounds with my arms you know, not my feet. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, my God. And I was like, well, that's just a byproduct of being strong. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd say they rank fairly highly. I mean, a lot of this has to do with um, the task, too. Like, if I throw agility in here, I'm almost thinking more like kinesthetic body awareness. I'm not thinking, again, ball tracking and, and all the mm. things that you might have to do or uh, uh, cone drills and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it's it's sort of a different, a different task, but... Um, I would say I do find bodybuilders in general from a pure coordination standpoint are actually quite poor. I I've agree often with wondered that. if that's because of all the internal cues that are prioritized instead of external cues. Oh, good point. Right, of feeling the muscle, which I think promotes kind of a, it may be a benefit possibly for hypertrophy and for what their goal is, but I think for overall movement, it's definitely a detriment and there's a lot of research on that internal versus external cues related to performance uh dr wolf is probably the main researcher on that i agree with that 100 percent. i mean that that actually even describes why one of the reasons that i moved in the direction i did i mean if you think about the sports i did it was all body positioning and kinesthetic yeah. awareness so things like I, I i liked skateboarding i liked martial arts but ask me to do something like uh catch and throw a baseball forget it right because it's yeah. too external <laughs> uh, and yeah. that, that that explains a lot yeah um all right mike what about self-defense and fighting? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I would say from intimidation factor of trying to not get in a fight pretty high. Very high, probably. Say yeah. once. Oh, man. I'd say once you're in, I don't know. I'd say I give them both maybe a six would be my guess. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, there's 
I'm not talking about trained people. It's not fair right. to mm-hmm. compare them to yeah, a I trained think it's martial artist. Up to you know, highly, highly. Yeah, trained. exactly. Yeah, and that's we got to remember that's the scale. I mean, definitely well above the average couch potato. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, and it depends. You know, we've all seen those boxing matches where, like, like with like Butterbean or something, and that's where the powerlifter or the bodybuilder is going to, like, if they can land that one, you're in trouble. But, yeah, a lot of force. So it could jump to a nine real quick. But uh, it's it's all about landing that one. So probably, yeah, six or seven. So Yeah, I'm in agreement with that. I remember Fortress used to say, you know, that we underestimate, like, a full-grown man, a regular sedentary man, just a male, you know, lands a punch with you, on you, that's really going to hurt. You know, it's not like in the movies where oh, people, yeah. they just take a slight recoil and they're, they're back at it. No, mm-hmm. probably not, you know. It's at least not the way they show it in the movies. And make no mistake, a woman who trains with weights, she punches you hard in the face, you're, you're going to stagger, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. period. Um, but I agree, like on the intimidation stuff, like what people perceive, and the psychological factor has a lot to boost this number, because mm-hmm. you're right, that could be a nine. Yeah. Some big, you know, tatted, bearded power lifters looking down on you, you know, that's that's rough. Um, actually, you know, finishing it, yeah, they're still going to be pretty good. I mean, compared to a, mm-hmm. a couch potato? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, they are going to devastate. In fact, I would yes. think that both of these athletes are going to devastate the average college athlete. Devastate. Because yeah. it might be that you only land every third swing, but you just need one, you know, yeah. and it's going to be di- a nuclear bomb, I think. Yes, exactly. So, um, I do think on the high end, though, we've all seen these videos where I think if you took the average person and you've got, you know, some some guy who's, like, really in shape, you can see all his abs versus... Another guy who was around the similar weight, but, you know, a little bit pudgy looking, looks like he's kind of out of shape. But you can't see, just staring at him, you can't see the skill level. Mm-hmm. And how often the guy who looks like he's completely out of shape just destroys the other person because his skill level is so much higher. Mm-hmm. But I think if you ask the average person just to look at him and go, who's going to win that fight? You're like, oh, yeah, the guy who's really in shape, you mm-hmm. know, and that doesn't always transfer. And sometimes yeah, it's the reverse. No, mm-hmm. athletes... Right, successful athletes are not shredded, you know. They're yes. they're just not. Um, yeah. I you know one other point before we move on to our last one is also if if a if a scrap were to go to ground, you know, and we're almost in a wrestling judo situation, the stronger guy is going to be brutal. Yep. And I, again, yes. barring any type of joint lock judo yeah, master still. kind of thing, um, yeah. you don't want to get wrapped up by a, a, a bodybuilder or a powerlifter. Like, no. you know, we're talking about no. swinging and missing. If you take that out of the picture, yeah, yeah, you're effed, right? Yeah, you're, you're just going to get grabbed and thrown around. Yes. <laughs> Seriously uh, squeezed yeah. and crushed and thrown. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Pinned. Um, last one, uh, again, w- with Mike. I-, I was trying to get at something that was a muscular endurance task. So, again, real world, if you broad functionality – Digging ditches, moving or loading boxes. How are these kinds of athletes going to do? Hmm. I don't know. My first thought is that bodybuilders may be better because they do more strength endurance type stuff. But powerlifters tend to be overall stronger because that's what they train for, which is going to make everything more submaximal, possibly. The twisting part may be a little bit of an issue, but... Yeah, I give them probably a six or seven on both. Actually, I think they 
probably equal out, I think. Yeah, yeah. They are, I think they're going to be pretty good, too. Phil, what do you think? Yeah. Digging, no, shipping? I agree, especially, especially nowadays with the powerlifters. Like, the day of the just totally bloated non-athletic powerlifter is kind of gone. Yeah. I mean, there's still a few around there, but they're a lot more in shape now. And just from seeing things, I mean, it's it's a very sub-maximal activity. Uh, like, that's one of the things I go to to, to get in shape every fall. And we're, like, chopping wood and digging holes. And mm. as long as you know how to pace yourself, you just keep going. It's so sub-maximal. It's like, do-do-do. You know, <laughs> I can yeah. throw wood all day. Um, I feel it the next day. And like Mike said, it's mainly the twisting part. I'll be yeah. in sore in places that I'm not used to. But, uh, yeah, six, seven, something like that. Yeah. This is one where... And good point about power lifters. You can't just imagine they they do nothing but ones and threes. <laughs> like yeah, when we, when we were talking about pushing, pulling, and cars and stuff. I mean, think about all the like sleds and a lot of the stuff that you guys do. You you guys are you have to have yeah. some kind of aerobic base. You know, um, I would think because of some of the the greater volume that bodybuilders do, they might they might actually edge out the power lifters at these things. But again, if they're also strong. You know, they'd have to be pretty damn strong, too. But yeah, yeah I mean, the problem with like moving things and digging holes and stuff when you're a power lifter is that like people just expect you. Well, you grab the fridge, bro. I'll grab the little <laughs> end table. You know, they ask you to do things that are just well above a one. You like, Oh, sure. Normally it takes three people to carry that. You go ahead and grab that. It's like, uh, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> right. You grab the fridge. That's funny. <laughs> like who says that? <laughs> Yeah, but I would think about stuff like moving and stuff because bodybuilders they're not going to be as strong as the as the powerlifters, um, but if they do more volume, they might have a chance at this. So compared to sedentary, oh my god, both these guys are going. I I yeah. think they're going to be like six and seven. You know, yeah, they're going to exactly. be really pretty damn good at this stuff. Um, yeah, and again, yeah, Mike's point about the twisting. I could only imagine the anatomical things that Mike is, is running through his head right now. Like, oh my god, uh, you know. Pretty- you have so much. You have so much power in the sagittal plane, right? And yeah, you you do any anything that's transverse or anything else, and you're just gonna, you know, again, you're gonna hurt yourself. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, let's face it. I mean, if you're gonna move house and all your furniture and yeah. everything else, you'd you'd really like to have some strong dudes. Bodybuilders yeah. or powerlifters would be great choices to help you do that. You know, and and yeah, are they going to be sore the next day? Is it going to be a little weird? Yeah, but if you got any kind of aerobic base at all. That kind of strength, it's, it's mostly a strength task. But, it, it, well, I guess it's a muscular endurance task. But like Phil said, if you're really strong and it's nothing to pick up, I don't know, um, something as simple as a large screen TV, you know, yeah. and whereas a sedentary guy's actually, that's going to tax him. That's almost embarrassing, you know, flat screen yeah. TV. Um, yeah. As opposed to like, yeah, carry a love seat by yourself or something like that, which is just, I, I would think that uh, we could do that. So. Okay, well, that's it. I just thought it'd be a fun exploration of how broadly functional we are. Uh, listeners, if you if you disagree, yeah, write in and, and let us know. Uh, I also want to just make a quick note that we have uh, a number of interesting guests lined up. Oh, we're going to try our first taste test on air coming up, <laughs> so that might be fun for everybody. Mm. Um, and then we're going to uh, – I asked Dr. Uh, Bill Campbell to come back on. He's got some really cool stuff in his lab that's happening. He's, he, he's got he's uh, documenting bodybuilder case studies, which I think is badly needed in the literature. Yes. Um, also, refeeds. <laughs> he's looking at refeeds and what happens to the body and, and this, that kind of stuff. And uh, Phil, Phil pulled Jim out of his cave, I think. Right, Jim Wendler? Yep. yep, we got Jim coming. 
So we go on an hour late, but I was expecting that. Yeah, it'll be the same for <laughs> listeners. It'll be an hour so, late for us. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, all right. Well, uh, that'll be it. So we'll see everybody next time. Yep. Have a good one, everybody. Nope. See ya. Hey, listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store, one for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun, heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. So we try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, The stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, Please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.